This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. It's time for Trending Today, where we're talking about customer service in government departments. Um, something that I think is quite a bugbear for many people. Now, a user on X recently posted that they were looking at um, reviews for the Pajabat Agama Islam Daerah Sepang. And they said that many people were angry because... Um, the apparently the department wouldn't didn't answer calls even though there were many staff in the office and when they asked the staff why nobody was answering the call they said that it was their lunch hour um, and the user said that they had called at 10 a.m right so this basically opened the floodgates for a whole bunch of responses on people peeved with various government departments and poor customer service which as i said i think is it almost feels like it's something we've heard people complain about since time immemorial. I went to some department or the other and I got really poor service. And, you know, I was frustrated at the lack of initiative and how it took me so long to do a simple task. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about the, well, the truth of that, but also how sometimes that's also not the case. Because I personally also have really great stories of efficiency in government departments. Yeah, like you, uh, I think it's, uh, and I think for most of us, there'll be the the stories of great department offices or some sort of, you know, government-linked office uh, like the EPF or even the tanks department. I mean, they all have operated, I think, with super efficiency. Uh, in the in the experience that I've had over the years, a CIQ I remember in Pudu is particularly good. And I I, I don't think I think I want to channel. I'm going to play devil's advocate on behalf of civil servants for the next <laughs> half an hour. I think that's what I'm going to do. Only because I think that sometimes uh, you, we have to understand it from their point of view, right? So yes, there might be people who are not motivated or not incentivized to pick up the phones or to deal with people, but. Often I wonder how many of those calls will include uh, an exchange of information that is already readily available on a website, you know, printed material. All it required is for that person making the inquiry to do uh, a bit of research and they would have gotten that information. So. Well, actually, Sharad, um, on that Twitter thread that, that got this conversation started, Rafik brings up something similar, saying, tips to call government bodies. Only the noobs refer to Google for their number. The hack is for you to go to their official website, go to their directory section, and call the related Pagawai. I'm sure they're going to pick up. Yeah, so, okay, so the other thing is, you know, getting the right person, right? I, I think that clearly uh, Rafik's got... Um, the hang of how to do this better. Uh, but I, I think a lot of government officers actually, because of the way in which at least at some level information is going to be posted there, you can get. Whether they do it sufficiently, whether the FAQs are uh, thorough enough, um, you know, and so on and so forth, and whether they have uh, digital interfaces that are really helpful, you know, that actually work is another question. So I think part of the frustration with um, service at government departments for a lot of people is that they tend to be essential services. And when you go and, for instance, you're trying to renew your IC or you need to uh, do something to do with your EPF or your tax or so on, these are relatively important things and people tend to need to take time off from work because it's only on a weekday. So there is a certain level of expectation of efficiency and having to get it done. And um, 
I also know people who have had unpleasant experiences, right? And and that's actually what people are talking about in this thread. Uh, we have Nadra saying, I feel all the government bodies are the same. No matter what time you call, it's still going to be the same. What's worse is that on Friday at 2.30, all the ticket numbers to queue up are finished. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Marshark saying, it's the same when you call the LHDN. I called at 10 a.m. and even after lunch hour, but there are a lot of people in the office. So this is just complaints about not being able to get through on the phone or uh, what seems to be a perception of not being efficient in terms of offering service. But I know someone, for instance, who went in to renew their IC and they had um, coloured hair and was told, go and colour your hair black and come back to take your photo for the new IC, uh, which is quite an odd thing to be told by a government department when that isn't actually listed anywhere as a rule. Okay, so that's kind of the arbitrary, I mean, that's when office, officers don't even themselves know what the rules yes, are, right? Yes, or the sort of take it upon themselves to impose odd rules that may not may or may not be a requirement. Their fashion sense, yes. yes. But like, <laughs> again, coming back to, okay, what are the impulses on the part of the Malaysian citizen that also contributes to this problem? One is that often we do things last minute, right? And I, I've been in situations where... Uh, I went online, got my appointment with the immigration to renew my passport. It was a two-week wait, but it was well worth it because when I got there, I knew exactly the time slot that I was getting in. Admittedly, I didn't read enough of the, of the <laughs> information, so I didn't know I had to wear a black shirt. So I had to go downstairs and buy a black shirt. Oh, do they not have like that shirt in the corner that you can just wear that's been worn by 40 people before no, you? I, well, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have minded, but because they didn't. And so I, and I didn't mind the 20 ringgit I spent on that, on that shirt. I don't even know where it is now. But the point is, it all went super efficiently because the system was in place. I don't know today whether the immigration is having problems with its um, appointment system. I think it's still working. But if you have that, then there's no question of you being in a long queue and waiting for hours or waiting in a queue only to find that the numbers are finished, right? It shouldn't work that way. I mean, it should work. No, no. And and typically, actually, the passport, uh, the immigration system tends to get a fair amount of props for being very efficient in terms of renewing your passport. I've always had really quick and 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 uh, fast, so quick experiences with them. I found them very efficient, very helpful. Um, for instance, if something's not quite right, they'll go out of their way to help you kind of fix it on the spot if they can. Uh, but I do also remember the whole debacle they had uh, right after the lockdowns when they they ran out of, uh, I, I believe, enough books to, to put them out. And then they had the online appointment system. Um, but that said, I think, though, that um, there are two things going on when it comes to customer service and government departments. On the one hand, there's a perception of inefficiency that many of us carry around with us. And the assumption is always starting from a point of it's going to be negative. Um, and then there are, of course, the multiple stories of negative uh, experiences that get shared and perhaps also amplified to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I feel for the, the civil service now that I'm on their side and doing the advocacy on their behalf is that, you know, the negative perception is a legacy issue. You know, when you couldn't have known this, Shamila, but when I was growing up and was young, Government officers were terrible. People didn't queue. It wasn't just the officers were bad. People were bad. You know, I remember my mother having a hissy fit in the Johor Bahru, you know, IC department because I had to get an IC as a 12-year-old, right? And, you know, and the men pushed her 
ahead. They pushed the women behind. They were terrible. So everybody was terrible. But things have become so much better. Actually, I recently didn't even have to go in to renew my um, license. And that was the first time I uh, managed to do it on the, uh, sorry, not license, road tax on the app. And I was was so excited that now we have it digitized, which only means more efficiency. Yeah, actually, the civil service... for somebody who's watched the civil service, I mean, you know, in the, in the few encounters as a Malaysian you will have to have over the years, over the last 40 years, there's been an extraordinary transformation, right? Because our expectations have increased in that time as well. So I think sometimes, um, you know, this, the, it's, it's worth reflecting on what has changed for better, how we can engage with the civil service to push them or nudge them in the right direction. Hopefully, government also provides incentive for civil servants so that their lunch hour does not begin at 9.30 in the morning <laughs> and, stretches, and, you know, and doesn't end at 2.30 in the afternoon. We are talking about customer service in government departments and asking you, what have your experiences been? Was the service good or bad? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. It's 5.48. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about customer service in government departments because of a conversation on X. So we want to hear from you. What have your experiences been with government departments? Was the service good or bad? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a mixed bag of responses here. Uh, let's start with some of the criticism. So an anonymous listener says, well, it's more like customer circus than customer service. I would rate EPF, LHDN and Klanajaya Immigration Office as the best. The rest are subpar because really we put the wrong people there. Fact. And um, uh, again, you know, it's interesting when you say about the wrong people, right? So what does it mean uh, exactly uh, when you say the wrong people? Does it mean that they're, they're, not, um, they're not qualified, they don't, they, they're not intelligent enough, they can't deal with systems that are there? Or do you mean that they are not motivated? And, um, and then the question, of course, is what? does motivate people, especially in something like the civil service, right? In the private sector, we know the motivation often is bonuses. It's all these other perks you get that are tied to productivity, tied to, you know, uh, profit margins that the company or enterprise earns. But what is it like for the civil service? And, you know, what would be uh, the way to do that? Uh, By the way, I agree with you. EPF, uh, the tax department, uh, immigration department that I had, not uh, not Klanajaya, but uh, CIQ in uh, Pudu, excellent. I went to Putrajaya for my passport, also very good. Uh, Predith, uh, also giving props to the immigration department. Uh, They really are emerging as the stars of today's conversation. Predith says, I actually managed to renew my passport in a day the last time through their online system. I just had to go and pick it up at the counter. This was last July. Um, And this is true for a lot of people I know as well. The fact that you can renew online and go and just pick it up has been such such a convenience for so many people. But on their point about digital accessibility, we have Brian, because earlier we talked about a tweet that said, go look up the numbers of the departments you need to reach, reach the proper Pagawai. Brian says, that's if the department's website is even available. And, you know, Brian, I get what you're saying, because as someone who needs to look up various ministries and departments on a regular basis because of work, 
Some have really good websites and some are terrible. Some have dead links and and you can't find the information you need or it'll it'll do that horrible 1990s website thing where the background is like bright red and then the text is in black. Um, so this is definitely not consistent across the board. Yeah, and Brian, I wonder if it has to do with the resources that are available. Uh, and I think resources are, in fact, part of the game right in this. So we have a message from Dr. Arvind. It says, my clinic in GH... 200 plus patients. I had two clerks only to register all of them. That's three to five minutes uh, each patient. So do the maths. How long will it take to uh, register all of them? And I think that's just the reality, right? So how many more clerks do you put in place? uh, Do you put on the payroll in order to deal with the volume that you have? Uh, It's ultimately, uh, I mean, at some level, it's a resource uh, question. Actually, especially in the healthcare sector, right? Because we've largely been talking about government departments in a in a more well, I was going to say bureaucratic, but actually it's it's not a hospital, is, is my point, right? Whereas like we've been hearing about the uh, understaffing, uh, the lack of resources in government hospitals for years now. And I think this actually paints a really uh, stark picture of the problems because the things that we would feel as a patient going in, or why do I have to wait so long to be registered? Why do I have to wait so long to see a doctor? Why do I have to wait so long to get my medicine? Well, this is the answer. I mean, two clerks registering um, 200 over patients. Yeah, do the math. Yeah. This is another thing. I think there's also the psychology of somebody coming to service is that Of course you come in there, often it's because something is urgent and you need to do it. And I saw this with my own eyes, people coming to the immigration department saying that, you know, um, and this was because just after the lockdowns were lifted, it was all this pent up demand. And you mentioned the the lack of supply of, of passport books, right? The, the, the department. So you had this surge of demand. And of course, when that happens, they are going to be bottlenecks, right? Because there's some things that are physically not uh, or logistically uh, difficult to, to deliver on when you have a, such a huge surge. So this happens, right? So the question is how much... Do we blame the system as a whole? How much do we take the moment into consideration? No, and some of it is human error because I remember during that, uh, again, that the passport surge, there were very clear instructions on the immigration website about what to do. Book your date, pick your slot, pick your out, uh, outlet, pick your location um, and go. And yet I knew many people who were posting on social media, even personally, who were complaining, oh, I turned up and then I had to stand in a long queue and then there were no numbers. But I'm like, yes, but they told you not to do that, though. And you chose to do it anyway. Or you didn't read the instructions. Um, We have, let's see, uh, I'm here saying, did you know that there's a government call center, my GCC, which is the general line to call and inquire the number for which states, which state government's agency you want to call? They respond extremely fast and friendly. Multilingual at times too. The downside is the service level of the number you're calling. What a great positive, when a great positive meets a great negative, neutrality is what you get. This is such a good point. This is exactly um, what I was trying to get at with the sometimes the digital services are great. But once you get beyond the the system that's been kind of standardized, you hit the human element wall. And that can really vary. Yeah. So I just looked it up. You know, the I didn't know. This is a great tip, it, by the way. It's it's basically zero three eight thousand eight thousand. Right. That's all. All right. So for because those I of you. I can remember those yeah, numbers. Yeah, I know. For those of you who are trying to get in touch with a government agency. 
0388000, my GCC. Uh, we also have, um, let's see, Steve saying, I've been to JPJ, Jabatan Immigration Shalam and Putrajaya, a few government clinics and UM even made a police report. The government service, the government servants that handled my matters are mostly friendly. I think they're doing their best amid being short-staffed. Yeah, so the again, it'll come back, it comes back to the way we we assess our own experience, right? Whether we use that and understand that it, these are individuals as well behind the counters, uh, but or do we generally make the broad criticism, you know, without actually uh, taking into consideration that some of these failures might be individual? Actually, your point about being them being individuals. Um, Jin has a, has a a related uh, point to bring up. So Jin says, to me, the customer service in government in the government sector is a quote unquote personalized service, subject to respective officers across branches and agencies. Only matters related to the public with high interest are prioritized to enhance their services, all because it's easy and standardized procedures. When matters are off the book, this is the difficult part where you need full patience and determination to football with them until you get to the right person. And I wanted to link that to your point, Sharad to say that actually with these sorts of giant systems that are supposed to handle thousands of people, you cannot have different people operating differently, right? There needs to be a certain level of standardization when it comes to um, at least a base level of service. Um, And then some notion of how do you escalate when the person at the front line isn't equipped to handle something. And often I feel this is what's missing, that people get vastly different experiences because you have some officers that are keen to do their job well, who are trained to do it well, who've retained the training they got, and others who perhaps don't care and have no incentive to do better. Or, and you know, this is, has to do with uh, understanding when and how to escalate, right? When the problem is, as it were, falls between benches and isn't a kind of typical problem that could be dealt easily with because the playbook has it kind of spelt out. I think, though, the that the magic of digitization and all these automated services is precisely because it can deal with the vast majority yes. of very so similar complaints. So the baseline complaints. issues can be dealt with without needing to have a person do it at all. And so then you can actually have specialized humans, at the moment anyway, um, to deal with the more complex situations. Yeah, and the, the I think this a desire on the part of government, it's been said over and over again, it's a bit of a buzzword, but, you know, if, uh, you know, to digitize uh, government, right, and, and digitization also has all the ad- added advantages of um, cutting out the possibility of corruption, at least petty corruption, uh, all these things suddenly become... Unlikely because there just there isn't somebody lurking behind a, you know if you if you remember the design of old offices they were full of like corners they were full of like <laughs> you know frosted glass and I think you know the whole point of moving towards a modern office uh, setup or a government setup is is that it's open and so the under table money all these things become more and more difficult and of course if you digitize that also um, in a, a vast majority of those kind of processes uh, sort of uh, no longer available for that kind of corruption. 
Not to end this on a downer, but we do only have time for one more message. Monif says, how can I rate their services if they don't even exist at the counters? But honestly speaking, local authorities for building submissions are the worst. They not only are always absent, but often love to bully architects because we know they know we depend on their approval. Giving comments that stray away from building standards, asking for items beyond their own checklist, being extra snarky and mean to male architects, and then a complete change in tone when a prettier female one comes along to pre- consult instead. I'd whip, I'd whip half of y'all across the mouth if not for the projects being at stake and they take full advantage of this. Yeah, so Manif, you kind of point to one of the problems, right? If, if civil servants have too much power and discretionary power mm. and, you know, then you have incentive to uh, drag your feet and to ask for favors and do all kinds of things, right? The idea is that when you look at the system, can it be eliminated? But if I would go to the uh, minister or the government in, you know, authority in charge of this particular gov- uh, department and, and spell it out, spell out the problems. Sharad, the, um, the champion of the civil service has spoken. <laughs> Keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.